Please. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Welcome to the second episode of season two of Quiet, Please. Uh, we started the year off with Joe LaCava, uh, Tiger Woods, longtime caddy, now with Patrick Cantley. And now, thanks to my partners here at Herd at Sports, we're live. We got a great crowd here. Uh, and Troy Martin is in the house. All right. But I'd say, I mean, I've known Troy, I don't know how many years now, over 10. For sure. And we've probably got combined over 40 years of experience, you know, caddying and professional golf. So it's, you know. I'm in my 21st year now, yeah. Yeah, and so I was about at year 20. I can't really claim that I do it full time anymore, but I, I have this tagline that I, I, I stay attached to that is once a caddy, always a caddy. That's so, a yeah. That's a fact. Well, thanks for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And thanks to everybody for coming out. I hope you guys have plenty of beer, plenty of wings, whatever we have. And we'll tell some stories. You guys have probably heard most of them already. I look around the room and everybody's been on a golf trip with me somewhere, I think. So uh, hopefully you forgot them and you'll laugh again. But Well, yeah, you know, and it's good having you up here too, Troy, because, I mean, you've got a lot of experience doing this sort of thing. Uh, you've hosted the Creighton Prep Sports Night on a number of occasions. Uh, so you're, you're used to being up on the days and, you know, like I said, I think we'll just jam out a little bit. And at the end, we'll just kind of open it up for a little bit of Q and a, uh, like I said, make sure to tip your servers. Um, did anybody play golf this week? Anybody make it out there? You got a couple in the house, some crazy people. I like it. I saw a few courses are open today. Yeah. Yeah. You get the ones that have the covers on the greens, but then otherwise, you know, like get out there and, and get a little bit in, uh, the other thing going on this week, and it's in like a weather delay right now, is the Phoenix Open. It's nicer here than there. Yeah, that's true. You're right about that. It like hailed the other day. And you, I know you have a, a large contingent of yeah. friends down there at the Phoenix Open. Have you done a wellness check on those guys at all? I did. They were all at breakfast this morning drinking Bloody Marys, excited to go out and have a blast. And I think the very minute they got out there, they, they blew the horn and oh. everybody had to go home. So I'm sure they found somewhere else to go and have some cocktails. But right. You, you always want to be on the course this week. It's kind of disappointing. Hopefully this moves through and they have a good weekend out yeah, there. Yeah, it's always a good time. And, and I I checked uh, Twitter this morning. I saw there was a picture of a guy in a wedding dress yeah. walking around with a beer in his hand at 8 a.m. in the morning. I mean, I don't think anything really says that Phoenix had to Open. be dead last in fantasy football or he lost some some, some sort of bet. Exactly. I saw that guy. That Do you see that guy that like jumped into the thing at Cabela's? Like last yeah, month. in the my, aquarium. My, my first thought was that guy lost his fantasy football league. Or he's a caddy. One of the two. One of the two. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you. what's your experience out at the Phoenix Open over the years? So I've only been on the proper side of the ropes, drinking and having fun and watching golf. Um, most of my uh, experience has been on the Champions Tour. So I worked a few majors here and there on the regular tour. But for the most part, my all of my caddy has been on the uh, regular tour, but or senior tour, excuse me. But uh, I know you've worked it several times. Do you have any good stories from out there? I have worked it a couple of times. And I've got a few stories. Um, I worked one year there for legendary, well, I mean, not legendary, but Nebraska behemoth John Hurley, Monday mm, qualified in right. one year. And I was on the bag for him. Um, and I remember we got up on the 17th and, and he had a two iron out in hands and we were waiting for the green to clear and everybody was kind of giving us crap for laying up. And sure. I said, he's not yeah. going to be laying up this fall. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Chip it a little bit. And he ended up kind of getting it up there in front of the green. Uh, and you know, another thing happened that same week with him where it was like, he's in the last group. It's on a Friday. It gets kind of, people are drunk out there and stuff. And he's over like a 10 foot putt and there's guys on the side being like, Hey, I bet 20 bucks you're going to miss this right before he takes it back. So that's like some of the reasons why, you know, players sometimes choose yeah. to skip that event. Um, I remember catting for John Merrick there one year and and he brought me in on a putt and he, he wanted to read on that. And there was a girl behind the green 
that didn't have her underwear on. So that was just like, everything can happen out there. It's like all bets are off. Um, <laughs> well, maybe I, I, we'll have to work there. One of these <laughs> I saw that uh, Colt Nost is caddying this week. Did you catch that? I did. I didn't see who he was working for. And I know they played the afternoon wave because I saw a few guys tweeting about how excited he was to be out there in the rain and weather. You know, that's obviously the hardest thing. That's when you have to really caddy when things like that yes. roll through. Otherwise, you know, an event like Phoenix, he could probably just go through the motions knowing the course as well as he does. But they, he was going to have to do some work this afternoon. I know. I'll be grateful they called it. Yeah, he's probably on his couch right now. But that Taylor Montgomery's been playing some good golf this year. So yeah, it'd be kind of cool right. to see them get in the mix a little bit. And he's, you know, CBS is off this week. Uh, his uh, partner in crime, you know, the legendary Jim Nance. And, mm-hmm. and there's always a story that I, you know, I really want to pick your brain on this a little bit. You can share some experience with the people about, you know, you've spent some time with Jim Nance. You had a chance to kind of go to his house that's right there by Pebble Beach, and he's got a par three in his backyard. I guess tell us a little bit about that experience. <clears throat> he does. He's got a, a par three, in, and like you said, in his backyard, and he's got the He's got a, a speaker rock right next to the tee that plays the master's music, you know, when they go to commercial break. And then he sits there and he'll talk you through the shot, you know, and everybody's been there. Romo's there. All these guys are there. And I think the day that I was there was with Faldo, I think. Right. Yep. Yeah. And um, uh, actually, there's been like 12 hole in ones there. And he has a, he has another plate there. And I think Romo uh, was the very first one. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Aldo hit about 50 balls and didn't have a hole in one, but it's like a 60 yard shot. It's just, it's just really cool. He's right across the street from kind of the clubhouse at Pebble beach there. And, um, you know, just being some goofball from Nebraska caddies to have opportunities like that. It's just, is really cool. And things I'll never forget, just, you know, either being with Nance or being with Faldo, either one, you know, Mm -hmm. have opportunities like that, that most people don't get. It's pretty, pretty special. Well, then you bring that up. How did you get your start in caddying? So I played for about eight years uh, after college, and um, uh, I met a couple of guys. Dave and Ron Stockton were mm-hmm. uh, playing mini tours and corn ferry tour, and I met them, and they introduced me to their father, who was Dave Stockton Sr., who was um, he's two-time PGA champion and won maybe ten or twelve times on tour, Ryder Cup captain, you know, great player, and um, he was one of the top Champions Tour players also. And, uh, he just called me one night and just out of the blue asked me if I'd consider caddying for him. And I'd never really thought about it. Yeah. It never really earned my mind. And I said, well, that sounds, you know, fun. And so, uh, I said, what, you know, when are you thinking? And he said, um, how about two weeks? <laughs> and I said, great. Yeah. So, uh, that's how it all started. I worked a few for his son, junior was playing on the PGA tour at the time. And I'd worked a couple for junior and then for senior and then a couple for junior. And those all seemed to be missed cuts. And then Dave would finish fifth on the champions tour. And I go work for junior, miss a cut. And I go, so after a month or two of that, we kind of had a talk and he said, yeah, junior's not getting you back. You're staying with me full time. And that's kind of how it happened. Um, I worked about 20 events and played about 20 events the first couple of years I caddied. Oh, really? And, uh, and I was also doing some yardage books then and, uh, three jobs was just probably too many. So, uh, I eliminated the playing part and kind of stuck with doing yardage books and caddying. Wow. That's a lot of golf. I love that. And so now you said 21 years later in the last couple of years, uh, you've been a caddy for Stephen Alker, uh, and he's a Phoenix resident. In fact, last time I saw him, it was a couple of years ago at the Phoenix open and he was there kind of getting his equipment checked. And and that was right as he had started this amazing run. You know, he's Mm -hmm. been on this incredible run since turning 50, um, he's got eight wins now since yeah. joining in the fall of 2021. Yep. Uh, you've been on the bag for three of them, as far as my math. Two, two of them? Mm-hmm. Okay, two of them, uh, including 
a few weeks ago mm-hmm. in Hawaii, the right. opener of the season, and you go out there and cash a W right. with Alker. Here's the Steve Alker. Yeah, How about that, huh? Steve Alker. 25 under par. Unbelievable performance. Unbelievable. So tell us a little bit about that most recent victory. What are some things that stand out about that week? Well, he has finished second there the last two years. So he obviously liked the golf course. And and so we we went into the event, you know, having good thoughts. And um, there was some other things on our mind. Uh, for those that don't know, I've worked for Steve Alker for almost a year now. And the reason that I have that opportunity is because his caddy passed away unexpectedly uh, almost a year ago. Uh, t- exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, they they worked the Hawaii event last year. He was sick during that week and then went home, uh, was diagnosed, and then passed away about seven or eight days later. So um, I filled in a few weeks with Alker uh, early last year and then um, went back to Stephen Ames, who I was caddying for at the time. And then I asked Alker maybe for to be considered full-time, and it just worked out. That was a better fit for me. And so um, I started with him. And so... I wasn't with him, the, you know, the previous uh, two years there where he finished second, but we obviously yeah. knew uh, how good he was and how well he played that course. And we kind of got off to a slow start. Um, we played three rounds out on on the PGA Tour champions. And so you really have to kind of try to birdie every hole in a sense. And so we were only one under par after the front nine, which was kind of disappointing. And then he just went on a tear like I've never seen and shot 24 under par for the next 45 holes. And um it was really impressive. We did have a little bit of luck maybe on, on the final round um, on a par five, number seven. I, we, we can't see it because there's lava everywhere. It's this really cool golf course in uh, Kona, Hawaii. And you're hitting over lava and the greens down here. Well, he hit it just a little right, but I thought it was still okay. Well, apparently it hit the cart path and then hit the lava and then bounced down on the green. And he made about a 50-foot putt for eagle. So that could have been a six or a seven and said it was a three. And so from then on, it was smooth sailing. He just played awesome. That's awesome. And and I remember early in the week, you know, following you and, and you guys were playing a practice round. And you came up, I think on 18 or maybe it was the start of the round and there's this giant rainbow in the sky. Yeah. And I mean, just instantly thinking about Sam and Steve's yeah. been very vocal throughout all this about, you know, how, you know, how he's playing for Sam. And there's been so much like cool symmetry throughout it. Like, um, you know, playing well and winning the Houston Open two months after he dies right. where Sam is from with his family in front of him, like right. just stuff that you can't even like write in a movie script. And, and it's yeah. interesting too, when you, and, and say, I had a chance to know Sam over the years, great guy, super friendly, um, you know, very simple. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember oftentimes we would be uh, on the road at a day's in and he had this pickup truck that he would travel around with and he would just set up, you know, his grill off the back of his pickup truck and we'd all get around and we'd have some drinks and grill out. And like, to me, that's a big memory of just like caddy life on the road with your buddies, like just surviving and stuff. And, and then, you know, he was always kind of on the corn Ferry tour caddying, you know, Mm -hmm. and then he stuck with Steve, very loyal guy. And then Steve got out there and they just took off. And I couldn't have just felt more happy for Sam with with the success that they had and and you know it was very sad that we lost them and it was just almost in the same sense you know if you're gonna go out like you can't draw up a better way true than, than how he the, yeah. those last like you know year or two where he was just doing what he loved and, and, and was out yeah. there and, and yeah you he's the kind of guy that everybody rooted for mm-hmm. um when when steve turned 50 he didn't have status steve alker didn't have status so he had to monday qualify and 
Um, he did his first event, and then he top 10, I think, eight in a row, which got him in all of those, and then he won his 10th or 11th mm-hmm. event, and then it was you know off the races from there. But um, Sam was with him the whole time, and you know, a lot of times when guys come out now um, on the Champions Tour, they've played in the Tiger era, they've made a ton of money, they're feeling pretty good about themselves, you mm-hmm. know, and so are their caddies, but um, Steve and Sam couldn't have been more humble, the opposite of what a lot of that of the sure. other stuff is, if you know what I mean by that. And so they were real easy people to root for. Mm-hmm. And the story was a great story yeah. on both sides, player and the caddy. And so, um, you know, Sam, um, he, I, I feel bad. I only got to know him real well for a couple of years when yeah. he came out there, but, uh, I really liked him a lot. And every time, you know, we, we got paired together a bunch because Ames and Alka were both playing at a really high level. And he was my favorite guy to be out with. My and, boss. uh, and so was Steven, you know, Steven Alker was just, he was, he's just a prince. He's a super nice man. He's, he's nice to everybody. Um, soft-spoken, humble. He's just great. Um, but a little bit about Sam, you mentioned it in Houston. Uh, Sam was a diehard Houston Astros fan. It's, I think, I hope he has more than one, but it's the only hat I ever saw him wear. <laughs> well, he like, had two hats. He had the Houston Astros hat and then he'd have that big cowboy sombrero that, that he'd wear out there. So, uh, this Astros hat though. So he was diehard. Well, when he passed, um, I bet it was probably 40 to 50 people came to follow Steve in Houston and they all had Astros jerseys on, um, with Sam's name on the back. So that just tells you what a special guy he is. You know, I mean, if something happened to me, my, my wife and my mom might be sad for a couple hours, (laughs) but there's no way 40 people are showing up at a tournament. But, um, that's Sam was just a really special guy. And, and that, that just proved it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, you've done a great job of like you know sharing his legacy and continuing that on and honoring him. Well, I just uh, say one more thing about yeah, that. Yeah, it's important to me. Um, I'm in communication with a lot of Sam's friends. Yep, and they 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 lived and died every every round with Sam and Steve. Yep. It meant everything to them, and they and so um, a lot of them have my number. They they root for us. They text us after great rounds, great wins, whatever. They're all very kind, and so I think. For that reason, I've always kind of viewed it. Uh, I think this should always be Sam's job and yeah. Sam's bag, and I'm just sure. filling in. I love it. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah, um, yeah. And 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 a little bit more on Steve. I mean, six of his eight wins have been by two strokes or more. Yeah, half of them have been by four strokes or more. I mean, the dude is a closer. Um, He's not afraid at all. Yeah, yeah. It, it talk, talk about just being in the mix on the back nine, closing out a golf tournament, kind of from the caddy perspective. Yeah, well, it can go either way. You know, if he's going, you stay out of their way, and you just don't want to do anything to disrupt that that momentum, which was kind of like Hawaii. You, I just you just had a feeling that he seemed like he was birdieing every other hole, and it was just nothing was going to change. It was going to keep going. Um, however, in Hawaii or in Phoenix, excuse me, the last event of last year, um, I think we teed off with a four shot lead. Is that right? Four or five shot lead on Sunday, and. Um, and then it got down to where we were, we had a one shot lead with three, three holes to play. And we were not playing well for him. You know, he's normally very steady and very strong and he just didn't have it that day. And I don't think it was nerves or pressure or situation. It just was one of those days. Yeah. And so that's where we had to kind of think about things a little bit differently, play a little more conservatively. I always watch the leaderboard. He, he doesn't do that. He'll ask me when he wants to know okay. where we stand. And so there, I think we, wa- we were walking off 15 green and he said, how do we stand? And um, Ernie Els had just shot like 64 to get within one of us. And I think Ames was one back and he'd already finished. And so I said, 
Um, yeah, I think we just, we just need three pars and you win. He said, we have a one shot lead. I said, we got a one shot lead, three pars and we win. And thankfully one of those holes was a par five, which <laughs> most people would think is really easy because he had a perfect drive it was 18th hole, still a one shot lead. And, um, we had like 200 yards at the front of the green is all, it was a five iron, you know, but there's trouble, right. And bunkers left. And he said, well, he said, do we go for this and bring another number in? I said, nope, that's a wedge and a wedge and make a five and or four or yep, five. Yep. I think I told him 75% of chance you'll make a four and the rest of the time you make a five. Yep. And he said, I like those odds. So there we had to play a little bit differently and, you know, conservative in the situation, but uh, thankfully that wasn't the case. He, I think he buried the last two in Hawaii to win by four. So I gotcha. that's yeah. interesting point you bring up because it takes some discipline sometimes to just like do whatever it takes to win the golf tournament. I mean, you got yeah. great, you know, I mean, not good memories, but John Vandeville comes to mind. I mean, guys do it all the time yeah. where they just kind of yeah. take on more than they have to. And I would think that you being a player, you referenced earlier, like you, you, you were playing professionally for a little while. You had this one year where you did it both. Like how much I've always thought that caddies that have played professionally have an advantage. Um, obviously you've got all this experience to draw now as a caddy, but just how much do you got to draw on, your playing career when you're out there caddying and just kind of knowing kind of maybe what he's feeling or thinking because you've done it. Yeah. You've lived it. Yes. That's the, I, I agree with you. I think there is an advantage there. Um, both because you've been in the situation or similar situations and you know what kind of you, you were thinking and you know, their minds racing as well. You can appreciate that more. Mm -hmm. Same thing where if, you know, there's a, they've got a tough putt, you know, a five footer breaks, you know, this far. I've, I've watched these caddies, you know, the guy misses the putt and the caddy turns around. I was like, geez, you know, I was like, miss that putt, you know? Well, I've had to hit that putt. I know it's hard, right. you know, and I can appreciate that situation yeah. a lot more, I think, because I've been there and, and tried to do that. So maybe I could help, help a little more there and maybe be a little more sympathetic rather than, you know, I, I see caddies get down about things like that. I would, I, I know how hard this game is. And so when a shot doesn't work out the way you want, yeah. I just know that happens. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I've been fortunate to be on the bag for some wins on the Corn Ferry Tour. And I remember one staying out, I was working for Brett Wetterick. I mean, former Ryder Cupper, just veteran player, really good player. And we're coming down the stretch. And I think he had like a one-shot lead on the 18th hole. And he's in the left rough and we're waiting. The green's waiting to clear and stuff. Kind of know what we have to do. And he turned to me and he said, let's not fuck this up. That's one way of saying it. <laughs> You know, right? So yeah. he's got it on the middle of the green and, and a two putt. So I was kind of grateful there at that time to have a guy that, you know, oh, it's knows better what for the player doing. to say that. I've heard a few caddies say that too, you know, and it doesn't work as well that way. But, it does yeah. Work as well. Yeah. Um, how's your game right now? You got some terrible. Good pair. Okay. Terrible. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. These guys, I, we, I get to play with them all the time and I kind of keep it between 73 and 69 or so, I guess. And, <laughs> But it's not very good. Yeah, better no. than seventy three and seventy seven. Yeah, yeah, but no, but it's not very good. This is I don't have time. I mean, I have, yeah. you know I have two full time jobs and it's caddying and, and doing the other stuff, and it's just uh, I'm going to take my clubs next week. We're in Naples for the tournament, and yeah. um, I get to stay with Peter Jacobson at his house, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, he's he's a I worked for Peter for about eight or nine years, and still a dear friend and we'll go play his home golf course every afternoon uh at old collier we'll go out and practice and really yeah yeah we get to play a lot of Curtis stranges there and uh normally jay haas comes and stays at the house with us he's not going to come and play this year but uh i'll be there for sure so is he still playing on the champions tour or is he not playing peter yeah. peter retired a he couple years ago retired a couple years ago yeah so then like i mean what goes on in the evening you guys get back from the golf course you're yeah. done for the day like what i mean margaritas would we'll jump in the pool believe you know as you can probably imagine peter's got a nice home yeah got a nice pool and set up there right on the golf course and 
So we'll float around in the pool for a while. We'll grill out every night. We'll, you know, we'll go hit balls, hit practice, play, whatever. Do whatever. He still loves to practice. Yep. Uh, if he had 10 more yards of distance, he'd still be playing because he mm-hmm. loves it. I mean, mm-hmm. he, there's nothing he'd rather be doing than playing golf, but he just lost distance over time. Got so just can't be real competitive hitting five irons where guys are hitting wedges. Right. And when you're out there on, on the Champions Tour, who are some of the guys that you get excited to be paired with when you're out there in a, in a group with? Um, so I like, uh, Miguel Jimenez. He cracks me up, you know, and he's really nice. He's, he's fun to watch and watch him warm up, watch him play, watch him smoke cigars. Yeah. Um, thankfully the cigars that he, that he smokes mask the smell of the cologne that he wears. Every day it's absolutely <laughs> awful. I have no idea where he gets it, but brutal. Uh, that guy's a true athlete. I, I had a chance when they were in town at OCC and we had a rain delay and they were giving cigars out, you yeah. know, in the, and I just grabbed one and we were on. And I got the chance to smoke a cigar kind of next to Miguel Jimenez. That's cool. For a little while. That was kind of a cool highlight. Um, I love I love being paired with Ernie Els. He's he's a guy that I've always looked up to and admired his game and and uh, I love watching him him swing. It's really fun. Uh, some of the older guys, you know, I've been doing this a long time now. So I had the opportunity to be paired with, you know, Jack Nicholas many times and Arnold Palmer many times and and uh Trevino, guys like that. Those were always, you know, those are some of the top 10 ever played the game. Absolutely. So having those opportunities is fun. Fuzzy Zeller, Ben Crenshaw, some of those guys I really look forward to, but nowadays kind of, those are the guys I, I like, I like being paired with, uh, with Ernie Els and, uh, I like Patrick Harrington. I think he's funny. He cracks me up a yes. lot. Uh, he's always got some stories and I love his accent. You know, I think, I think I should do this. I think I should hit a seven iron here. You know, I just, his accent he's the best. cracks me up. When I was, I was with Seamus power for four years oh, yeah. and yeah. in 2016, we went to the Rio Olympics and Podrick was our partner. You know, there's a couple other guys that decided not to go, so we were fortunate mm-hmm. to be there and got to know him and Ronan. And Ronan really great. know that Ronan really well that week. And they kind of still to this day take to call me. You know, my name John Rathouse, and they took it in. in, in there's no it, way they it, could say that into Gaelic. So they say yeah. they call me Sean Chuck Francon, <laughs> which makes no sense at all. But <laughs> and I and it's, it's great to hang out with. I remember asking one time, uh, last turn of the year in Sea Island, I was like eating lunch next to Patrick, and I was like, hey, you know, we've got this soup contest in my family. I want to make a good Irish stew or a good Irish soup. And he goes, we don't do that. And I was I was kind of blown away. He's like, we don't make Irish soup. There is no such thing. Uh, but he's been tearing it up out there. I mean. He's a good player. Yeah. yeah. And he's adding length. He's added about 15 yards since he had, was on the regular tour. And Yes. That's huge on that, t- on the Champions Tour, so. Uh, if he can stay healthy, you know, it's pretty hard on your body to swing that hard all the time. But uh, if he can keep, if he can stay healthy, he's, he might have a chance to catch us in the Schwab Cup. Absolutely. Yeah, no, he's a good player. Uh, what about Boo Weekly? What's been the reception yeah, he, for we, Boo we out there? We played with him in Calgary last year. Only time that I that I was paired with him. Um, I think Boo's going to have to get the putter a little hotter to compete out there. Sure. You know, a lot of these guys that come out, Justin Leonard, D- uh, David Duvall, the guys that, you know, had great careers and then come out and they're like, you know, they shoot even par one under and I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. And they look up and somebody shot nine under and eight under and seven under and seven under and six under, you know, it's just, it, the scores are so low right? and you're never going to shoot that low if you're not a good putter. Right. Uh, so some of those guys, the names I just mentioned there, they're all still really good players and ball strikers, but they're just not putting like they need to put to compete yeah. out there. Yeah. He's such a character. And I, I got to caddy from one time. This is like, Oh, four, like when I was first starting and I just kind of, you needed somebody. And I didn't catch him on the best week because there was like a hurricane bearing down on his house back in Florida. He wasn't totally there. Ended up missing the cut. But I remember on one of the tee boxes, like, I don't want to decide to 
take a leak and and there was kind of we're up in oregon and stuff and he kind of chimes over he goes don't eat them low berries over there now yeah he would know about that exactly he's he a put back the beers and stuff too what about how about fluff yeah I mean, how old is fluff now 76 yesterday okay 76 yesterday mm-hmm. Happy yeah. birthday, sent him fluff. a nice text he replied uh he's out in phoenix working for ct pan. pan this week yep um Either Fluff doesn't want to go home or his wife loves to shop because that guy works every week he possibly can. Yep. And I admire that a great deal. You know, it's a hard job. Yep. I'm 51 and it's, it's gotten really tough the last few years. It's a hard job. And he's 76 and mowing along on the regular tour is pretty impressive. It uh, is. He works for Jim Furyk now full time and Jim's kind of battling some injuries. And so when Fluff has an opportunity to work on a regular tour or whatever, he's always there. Mm-hmm. He, he works it works every week. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he's a great guy though. You know, he, he started with Peter. Okay. Jason yeah. That's then. what I thought. Yeah. So, uh, when, when, uh, when Peter, when, when Peter hired him, fluff was living in a van, he had three teeth from what I hear. And, uh, and now he's a multimillionaire member at congressional, you know? So yep. I mean, he's, he's done pretty good in his career, yep. but, uh, he's had some really good jobs and he's done a really good job at it. He deserves everything he's got. Yeah. Tremendous caddy. And he like tells it how it is. It's, it's yeah. Oh yeah. It's East coaster. And he just kind of yeah. has no problem saying what he thinks. He's and I remember at the Omaha country club, you know, he was there, you know, I don't know how many years ago that was now that the second edition and he's on the bag for Jim Furyk. Who I had remember a- it as well, John, because uh, he beat me. <laughs> I know. I'm not trying to bring up bad things. Yeah. You were there, Stephen Ames the time and yeah. you guys were in the mix the whole week i mean it was a great we were in the last story. group saturday and sunday we were in the final group and on sunday was the final two some of furic and fluff yeah yeah and i remember driving back to the caddy lot one day with him and i just asked him about the course and stuff what he thought and stuff and he said and i don't know if this is really true but he did say in all my years i've been doing this for 50 years this is the hardest walk that i've ever had and i like to always tell people you know that are members out there that have caddied out there in the past like hey Fluff, who's like one of the all-time caddies, says that, you know, OCC is one of the hardest walks that he's had. Yeah. He may have said it because he was 74 years old at the time <laughs> also, but I, I get his point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's crafty at doing the four caddying, too, and <laughs> yeah, him helps him out. Yeah. Uh, Tiger, I was doing the math. He's going to be turning 50. Yes. January of 2026, he'll be 50. Like, yep. what's the what are the what's what's the chatter about Tiger coming out on the Champions Tour amongst the guys when you're out there? Everybody thinks he's going to play. Uh, and the reason being, he can he can take a cart. You know, he could take a cart now on the regular tour, but he would have to apply for an ADA, and he doesn't really want to do that. Mm-hmm. I think he's – but on the Champions Tour, um, right now, there's some guys – there might be seven or eight guys that have the ability to take a cart. Yep. And um, and he would be one of those. I don't think he'll play every event, but right. I think he'll play, you know, Stricker's Invitational and, and um, Furyk's event and probably play the majors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean – these guys still want to compete. I, it, I, we see it from everybody when they come out. I, I can remember Steve Elkington when he was 49. We were at, we were in the field at the Players Championship that week with Da Wybring, and you know he asked Da, he's like, "How is it out there?" You know, and and Da's like, "Oh, it's great. You're gonna love it. You know, you're gonna be with all your friends again. And you're gonna have a blast." And he goes, "You're never gonna see me on that tour." <laughs> and then six months later, he played every event for right. like four years. You know, exactly. All these guys do that. They always say, oh, you know, I'm never going to go out and play on that tour. And yeah. when they get the chance, or they get they get one or two feels for what it's like to be back in the hunt with the guys they competed against and can still be competitive again. Yep. Um, then they really eat it up. So I, love it. I think Tiger will do that as well. So our plan is to win as much as we can the next three years. <laughs> and uh, he can... He can do what he always does, right? Yeah. yeah, he's teeing it up next week at Riviera. Yes, I is. mean, yeah, that'll be... Yeah. 
that'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of shape his game's in for that event. Yeah, he's great for the game. You you and I have made better livings because of Tiger Woods. Absolutely, I mean, 100%. He's, he's done so much for everybody involved in this game. It's amazing. I want to I want to talk about a popular topic these days. I feel like we've probably been answering questions about this for two, three years now. Uh, and I'll, I'll just phrase it this way. What's the Champions Tour players' caddies like, hey, we're out on a practice round, take on the formation of Live and how that's all kind of playing out with the PGA Tour at the moment? Um. The guys aren't real happy about it. Uh, they most of them had an opportunity back in their prime. Um, you know, Greg Norman got them all together at Sherwood one year at the yeah. Shark Shootout and said, "Hey, I'm going to start this new tour." And it was Peter and Curtis Strange and and uh, Palmer and Lanny and all these guys were in the locker room. And um, Arnold Palmer listened to his pitch for a little bit, and then Arnold said, "Look, this tour's done a lot for me." And I'm just going to continue to support this tour. And I have no intentions of doing something what you're talking about. Right. And he walked out of the room. Well, then Lanny said, well, if that's what the King says. I'm with him. And then everybody else just kind of followed out. So <laughs> they had opportunities to do this before and they didn't do it. Right. So they kind of are disappointed and that some of them have done it. They're also a little disappointed that these guys are making $300 million when, you know, they were they were playing for peanuts compared yeah. to that. So th there's a little bit of that, which is understandable. You know, you see that in every sport now where the former players are a little, mm -hmm. but, but uh, I personally, I, I, um, I don't, you know, think that players shouldn't have gone or whatever. I right. mean, it's impossible. I think to turn down those opportunities and that money, but I'm disappointed that um, the best players aren't playing every week in the same fields. Yep. And I don't know what the, what the answer to that is, but uh, hopefully one day that we can figure it out to where, you know, everybody can, everybody that you want to see at the masters is playing the masters yeah. basically. So, yeah, they do need to sort of sort out the world golf ranking thing. And that's on the, the yeah. live tour to kind of, you know, figure that out for themselves as well. But I kind of see, I mean, it's just so much ongoing, you know, minute by minute things changing. You know, I do see like maybe not this year, but in the next year for sure too, that they figure out a way where those guys that have gone over there, you know, they get together on a more regular occasion than just the majors. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of go back to their tour mm -hmm. um, and, and they'll have to figure out the map on that. But I, I do think that that's coming because I do think the fans eventually and the sponsors are going to be like, hey. I think they're fed up with all this, to be honest with yeah. you. I think they're just, they, I, I don't know. Yeah. That's just my opinion. I'm on a, a text string this morning. I got it and it's got Peter and Curtis Strange and Jay Haas, excuse me, and some other players. And they forwarded something I'd not seen before because it came out yesterday that this new investment group that's gone with the PGA tour set aside $75 million for guys that were kind of the trendsetters out there. Yeah. So guys like them now yep. are going to be getting it. I said, go check your mailbox. You know, <laughs> guys like them are going to start getting some nice checks too, finally, right. which is nice. They yep. deserve it. Yep. You know, um, I mean, they, they, you know, Jack created what, you know, Arnie created what Jack did. And then Jack created what Tiger built on and all, you know, yep. all those guys, they've, they've all had a big part in all of this. And so, with all this money that's going around, I guess it's kind of nice that they're considering giving some of that to the old guys. Maybe, yeah. maybe get some old caddies too. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, all right. We'll do a little trivia giveaway here. We've got a lot of swag. Troy brought some swag. The guys at Nebraska Golf brought some swag. Thanks, Ben. ben. Thanks yeah. for bringing some hats. Thanks These are really cool. Stuff. So yeah. we'll, get, we'll give one thing away right now, and then we'll give some more away at the end. But I'm going to say Troy and I have caddied together at least once. I don't know. Do you not remember this? You made the cut. I missed the cut with my guy. 2013 U.S. Open. First person to say where it was. 
Even, okay, so I don't, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be offended. Okay. I know we hit pitching wedge from 118 and uh, the 18th hole in Hawaii. I remember yeah, that. There you go. Yeah, whatever matters is right here, right now. 2013 U.S. Open, we caddied together. Where was the 2013 U.S. Open? Marion. First person said Marion. Get yourself a Who piece said of swag. It? There you go. All right. You're in, a, you're in the Joe game. Joe got it. Yeah. Joe, grab something up here. Yeah, you're in. I brought some hats from NBC Golf Ch- or shirts from NBC Golf Channel, some hats from Lexus and Zrixon, and there's uh, Greg Norman Pool, there's a large XL, whatever you want there. Grab something. Um, we did work together in Marion. You remember that? You had uh, Matt Wybring. Yeah. I was with Randall Hutchison. Yeah. We the That's the hardest 6,700-yard golf course I've ever seen in my life. Such a cool One course. One guy will finish under par. And it rained all before the tournament yeah. started. Everybody's like, this place was super firm. And then it yeah. rained, and everybody's like, oh, they're going to tear it up. This place is – and it just – there you go. One over par, Justin Rose, winner. That was the only time I was almost late for a tee time. No only way. time in my career. What happened? Traffic? Uh, no. Uh, it was completely my fault. We – we had a restart on one of the days. Yeah. And I was like a seven thirty ball in the air sort of thing. And at Marion, we had to warm up and then get in a van and drive for four miles and then get out on the other, whatever it was. It was terrible. Well, so the players came out a little early. Well, I was sound asleep in my hotel room in my chair with my computer open and what I wore the day before and my <laughs> phone rings and it's Matt Wybring. And he says, are you here? Yeah. Well, I wasn't there. I wasn't even close. Right. So I said, holy shit. I, I stayed up working all night that night, and I only got a couple hours of sleep, and I just did forgot to set my alarm. So I jumped in the car, and I flew. I made it there about 20 minutes before tea time, but he, you know, he was so cool about it. I, I was like, well, you know, at least I just picked a small event for this to happen. Right. And, you know, I mean, it's <laughs> just the U.S. Open, and you're five back from the lead, you know? And so I'm here. Let's go, you know? And then he played really – I think we had to work maybe – Flashed like 20 some holes at yeah yeah there was a marathon yeah i had the opposite experience in wichita one year when i was working for brett wetterick and mm. we were he was playing good we had that win together we had a nice little run for about a year and i said wow he's paying me well i'm gonna stay in a hampton this week so i got a room on my own right you know, normally staying with two people in yeah. a room three four like i mean we've seen it all and so here i am at the hampton and i and i kind of just slept through my alarm didn't set my alarm whatever and but it was close enough to the course and i woke up i mean and it was a restart situation. Same thing. Hightailed to the course, figured out some, you know, parking in the neighborhood, kind of sprinted. And then I tried to walk in late. Well, he was already like grabbing the rules official and stuff. I made it on time, but then he, you know, we had to walk out to the far end of the course to restart around and miss the cut. And he called the next day and I got let go. So oh, it was like, it was man. a really tough lesson, you know, of, of just the, the punctuality. Well, thankfully, Involved. I was just filling in for Matt that week, or he'd have probably fired me too. But I think I went the next week and worked for his dad somewhere on the Champions Tour. Uh, let's talk about some caddy nicknames. All right. Uh, I, I've got a few in mind. I don't know. What, what do you? What are some of your favorites over the years that you've heard? Uh, so downwind, Vic. Yes. He smells like complete shit. He's, that's a good one. Uh, my favorite one on the Champions Tour is Ziggy Bowens, who has a little bit of a drinking problem. And about 20 years ago now, we nicknamed him Baghdad because he too gets bombed every night. <laughs> that's a good, I had a, uh, I, when I had LaCava on last month, yeah. I asked the same question. And he had one, he's kind of going through his Rolodex and he brought up a uh, work with me, Larry. 
Don't know that. that there's this guy that every time his player was kind of getting ready for a shot, he'd be like, I don't work with me. <laughs> work with me. <laughs> so they started calling him work with me later. I had two that I gave out over the years. One was to my longtime roommate, Pepsi Steve. Yeah. Yeah, Pepsi. And that one stuck. I mean, this guy like doesn't drink water, only drinks Pepsi, big gulps, like middle of the night, like gotta get hit. And he's even gone to tell like, him what he tell him what he does on the golf course. He hides sometimes he hides Pepsi's in different parts of the golf course so that when he gets to that hole, uh in fact, he told a story. He hides them in trees. Right. And he just brings this big cup of ice. And when he gets to the eighth hole, he goes over the elm tree right at the tee and grabs a Pepsi out of it and fills up his cup. He's got another one waiting on 13. It's crazy. He told me one year at the Masters, uh, you know, Augusta, Atlanta, Coca-Cola, and he had hit a Pepsi somewhere. He had cameras everywhere. He said he went around the next day or later that day and it was gone. You know, like. Yeah, I'm sure. You can't have that around here, Mr. Hale. Can't bring your own <laughs> Augusta anyway. You should know better than that. There's a, there's a guy that I. And this one, the guy is great. He's out the caddying on uh, the the PJ Tour right now for David Skins. And this last September or, la- or last August was on the bag at Indian Creek uh, for the win with uh, Alejandro. Mm. Uh, what's his name? Toasty. And Toasty. yeah, Toasty. And and I had run into this I've guy. I've heard his nickname. What does it mean? In the way, Ray. Yeah, in, in the way, way, Ray's always has. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there you go. There's no doubt about it. I, I was caddying for Jeff Curl. He's time. a three shot penalty for everybody in his group. But he goes, he gets it done, right? Yeah, he got some winners done and stuff. But yeah, he was. Yeah, he I'm was in gonna, our group in Midland, and and I'm gonna refrain his. comment on that one. But <laughs> he, Jeff Curl hit it in this bunker, greenside bunker on his par three, and and Ray very green was out on the green looking for the next day's dot. You know, like, yeah. and he's right behind the pin. Yeah. My guy's getting ready to hit a bunker shot, and, and he's like, "Hey, well, can you move?" Mm-hmm. And and he's like, and he didn't want to do it. And they kind of Jeff got out of the bunker, got in his face, and like, I thought they were gonna get a fist fight. And just there's stories all throughout the year and stuff of Ray just kind of being a little bit in the way, and so very appropriate. Yeah, yeah. so that one stuck. We've got a guy on the Champions Tour, nicknamed True Temper. You know, you know what they make? They make because they, he gives everybody the shaft. <laughs> you know, they make golf shafts. You know. And then we got Seagull, who shits on everybody. <laughs> so Usually if you get a nickname out there, it's not going to be like Happy or Prince or right. something like that. You know, we don't really care about positive <laughs> attributes you might have. So we always find something you do wrong and exactly. make it stick. Yeah. Well, let's get some local golf. And we got a lot of local people here. Um, Scott Gucheski. Yeah, Gucci has got his card back. That's cool. Got his card back. I mean, I had a chance to catch him a few times last year, and he's playing so well right now. I mean, he always hits the ball well. Mm-hmm. But what I noticed is he's just, like, rolling the rock. That's good. Really well right now. So he's, what, 47 years old and has this chance to kind of go out back on tour after missing for a few years. Pretty amazing, Pete. It, it, it yeah. really is. Yeah. As you know out there, those guys on the Corn Ferry Tour are so good. They're so long. And to compete with him at 47 is incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he'll have a better chance competing on the PGA Tour, actually, than he did out there. I think he'll have, he'll have a better chance of success. The golf courses seem maybe a little more difficult. Yep. Uh, they fit his game because his game is so solid. Yep. Um, and I look forward to him having a really good year. Yeah, I'm, I'm, me too. And, and yeah. he told me kind of just about how he's got a couple sons that are really good players. Yeah, he's the third best player in his family, I think. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, his one son's at uh, Iowa State, yeah. and he's yeah, he had a win last year. And then Luke is at Westside. He's a junior yeah. this fall, and he's already got a full-ride offer to go to Florida, which is, I mean, pretty crazy that you get a kid from Nebraska that's not even done with high school, and he's getting an offer. And, and he's a little bit different build than Scott and, and his uh, older brother, and he's a little bit more lanky, and I think he hits it. A mile and so they really like him so it'll be interesting to track those guys that will be fun to follow them 
Um, what about the the new courses that are popping up in Nebraska? I mean, you you're you're out playing when you're home if you can, or going on trips, or are you doing your yardage books and stuff like. Yeah. There's a I mean, golf in Nebraska right now is is pretty good. It is, and people ask me about it a lot. You know, I'm I'm just glad that Lost Rail went in um, close to us. You know, because everything else seems like it's kind of out west or it's up north there at Valentine. Um, they're all great. I, I mean, I, I've been out around Lost Rail several times with uh, Scott Hoffman and, and Tim Halpine, the GM out there. So, but I haven't played it yet. Oh, really? No, but um, I've been around it many times. And then we did a book for him as well. But okay. uh, the golf in Nebraska is unbelievable. And, mm-hmm. it's, and it's pretty reasonable if you think about it. You know, we go some of these places like where you're talking Riviera next week yeah. and some of these, you know, it's a couple hundred thousand to get in or more. Yeah. And, and all of this money, well, gosh, you can go play some of these places for $100, $150 out, you know, Dismal River or mm-hmm. some of those out mm-hmm. west. So, um, Indian Creek. Indian obviously. Creek, to get out there. Although, I remember when Indian Creek used to be reasonable. Do you guys remember that one? They used to be like, uh, <laughs> you could afford to play out there, and then now they host all these big tour events, and like, oh, we better raise the rates here. Everybody loves this place. <laughs> yeah. Got Director of Golf, James Rolls, over here from Indian Creek. Thanks for coming out. They do a great job. And that that course, I mean, you, you talk to guys that get through Corn Ferry onto the PGA Tour or they're on the Corn Ferry every year. They're just like, I love that place. It's, it's one sure. of the hardest golf courses I've ever played. Yep. And uh, yeah, you guys do a great job out there. It's it's definitely one of the favorites on that tour. For sure. Yep. Uh, well, let's talk just, just a bit about your yardage book company, Bucket okay. Boy. Yeah. So how, I started, how start? yeah. I started in 1998. I used to, when I was playing, I would always kind of make my own books just because the ones we had that were available weren't great. And a few people saw them and they just said, maybe you should consider doing this. And so I kind of taught myself some of the graphics programs and things like that and got to where um, it became a business. And um, up until, gosh, like four years ago, I think I was doing every LPGA, almost all the corn ferry, every champions tour. And, you know, so it was, but that was too much work. It, yeah. was, it was not healthy and not good because I was caddying full time as well. So I've cut back a little bit. I'm still very busy, but yeah, I get to go, um, you know, a really nice account I have is with the USGA. I do 15 of their major championships. Okay. So you can think of the golf courses they play. Like we were moving at Marion. Yeah. We worked out of Marion. So uh, I did Marion a couple of years ago for the USGA and I get to go to some really cool places and see golf courses that I may not actually ever get to see otherwise. You yeah. know, they're usually real exclusive clubs and, and places of which I may not get to see. But um, I'll tell you a story real quick. I was in uh, LA at Sherwood Country Club a few years back and doing the yardage book and the pro, you know, he didn't know me and he just thinks some caddy's coming in. You know, I'm probably going to have a tank top and jean shorts on or whatever. And <laughs> I'm going to this place where Wayne Gretzky lives, you know, yeah. I mean, it's a really high end club. And so, uh, you know, he, he brought me in his office and he said, look, we have three groups of women playing this morning. Um, the women here are a little bit high maintenance. And if you wouldn't mind, just please get out of their way. You don't need to interact with them. You know, they'll, they'll go right on through and no problem. And then you can do your work. And I said, oh yeah, yeah, no problem. I, I, I know what I'm doing. So I'm on like the sixth hole at Sherwood and I'm up on the green and I look down by the tee and there's the first ladies group is on the tee. And so I grab my equipment and I shuffle off into the trees and mind my own business over there. The first group approaches and the first lady that gets on the green looks over and she sees me and she starts walking toward me. And I was like, oh no, you know, I'm in trouble. (laughs) 
And she goes, what are, can I ask you what you're doing? And I said, I'm just doing the yardage book for the champions tour event. We're coming, you know, we have an event three or four weeks here. And she goes, Oh, that's cool. Don't you love what Jack Nicholas did with this bunker right here? Cause Jack had just renovated it. And she goes, remember we, you couldn't fully had to fly it on this green before. Well, now we can bounce it in there and he softened the green. And I'm like, yes, that's <laughs> right. exactly what he did. I mean, I, that's exactly what I just noticed before you got up here, you know? And I said, geez, yeah, I do. I love it. I think it's great. And she goes, well, have a great time. Hope you, hope you enjoy your time here and, and we'll see you in a few weeks for the tournament. Great. So I let the other group go and the other group go. And then I grab my equipment and I get back out, do my work. And I go to the next hole. I'm in the fairway and I look back and I see a golf cart coming over the hill. And I'm like, here comes the pro to <laughs> yell at me for talking to his ladies I look and it's this lady again. And she goes, how about this hole? Now, didn't he make this? This hole used to suck. And now it's one of our best holes. And I'm like, you really know what your architecture, you know? And she's like, well, I play golf all the time and I love it. And I said, well, that's really cool. And she said, well, uh, look, it's been nice talking to you. And wait till you see the 17th. What do you do on 16? I'm like, oh, okay, great. I said, I'm in trouble of talking to you. You, you. you need to leave. And she goes, uh, who are you going to caddy for in a few weeks? And I, I think I was working for Jay Haas then. And I said, I'll be, I'll be here with Jay Haas. And she goes, I'll come out and find you. What's your name? And I said, I'm Troy Martin. And she goes, Caitlin Jenner. Really nice to meet you. No way. <laughs> That's amazing. I had no idea. Right. And I have no idea what happened after that. It's all a, a blur. I don't know what I said. If I said, I don't have any idea because I was caught so off guard. I just, I think I just stood there, but she did come up and he, Caitlin yeah. came up and say, hi. Said, hi. Um, I get you. I get you. A couple of weeks later, which was really cool. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool stuff. <laughs> um, well, I want to get to some questions from the audience a little bit. Um, Anybody have some questions for, for us up here? Feel free to raise your hand. We'll, we'll give some stuff away. And I guess Brandon here, he's got a microphone passed around. Oh. Or you can shout it out. Yeah, you guys can text me later. It's fine. Let's start giving stuff away then while you guys think about it. Yeah, for questions. sure, yeah. All right, what, how do you want to do it? No, you, 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 got it. You, got, you brought the stuff. You got an idea? I don't. I was going to give it away to people that want to ask questions, but no one asked a question. Oh, now they'll start asking. Oh yeah. They want those pro V ones. Yeah. Yeah. Is this working? Okay. Yeah. It's on. Yeah. Rollsy. So I have a question. What is your most mem memorable round that you've caddied? Which, which round is the number one round that you caddy for? Um, most memorable experience. Number one. Surprisingly, it's not on a win. It was it was actually Sunday in Omaha for the U.S. Senior Open, the last one, just because it was you know being with Furyk and Fluff and in the final group and the support that Ames had from from Omaha and all of that. That was, I mean, I I, I kind of joked with Mary. I said if he wins this, I'm retiring. I mean, that would have been it. I mean, that was, you know, it was just a really special week to have a huge event like that in my hometown. And then to be in contention and um, kind of, yeah, it just, it's something I'll never forget. And that, that was, that's probably the most special round I've caddied. We didn't win obviously, but it was still really a special day. I had the chance to caddy one year at the masters in 09 and my guy, John Merrick at the time had a phenomenal week. My dad was there uh, to watch us and he's not a golf guy. 
and it was just great to have him there. And on Sunday, he got really hot on the back nine and birdied 13, 14, 15, 16, and kind of made his way into the conversation and ended up finishing sixth. And like that, that cool. I mean, at Augusta National walking the, the Now, place. let me ask you about that. Yeah. Do you think Augusta is a harder walk than Omaha Country Club? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah, no, I think Omaha is harder just because of the Billy Goat thing. I feel like Augusta, I always tell people like it's like catting across a pinball machine is kind of what it's like. And I think for anybody that's been there before or that can get there, then when it, it just puts the picture together for you, if you get there in person, and then when you go home, watch it on TV, like everything just makes so much more mm -hmm. sense. What do you want for the question there, yeah. James? You got everything already. We got, got some N we got, NGA stuff. Oh, yeah. Do you have any of that? That, that, that takes cool the red hat. Yeah. I love the new logo. Let's I think that's awesome. There you go. You're in. And uh, Tony over here, you got a question. I mean, there's Pro V1 here. You guys can ask me what my sign is, for goodness sakes. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, we'll come back to you, Tony. Oh, we got, sorry. Mike, Mike's right here. All right. Oh, oh I, Jim Larson. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, Troy. So, uh, Sea Docker story, never won a tournament, 450. Sorry. Um, what's the chances of that happening? Uh, there's a lot of the guys here over 50. We don't get better. How did yeah. you get so much better? Yeah. Well, that's the number one question we both get asked, you know, by everybody. And, I, I mean, I, I don't even want to think about it because I don't want to jinx it. I don't have an answer, and I'm not sure he does, but he certainly uh, never quit working at it. I mean, he might have even worked harder as he got older, and a lot of people don't do that. You know, as guys get to 45, they start phasing out a little bit and then wait to 50, and then they start working at it again. Uh, this was a second chance on a career for him, and he, he did win. I think he won four Corn Ferry Tour events. He played the PGA Tour some, played in Europe some, but you're right. It certainly didn't have the success that he is right now. But um, I, I tell people that he's probably the hardest worker that I know out there. And I don't mean that he hits as many balls as VJ Singh or, or things like that. But when he's not on the range or on the golf course, he's in the gym or he's at home on a yoga mat with some of these devices that loosen up his muscles or he's stretching or he's always doing something to make his body better or his golf game better. Now, I don't know what clicked, but something did. And now he's got so much confidence that I, I don't see it going anywhere to be quite honest with you. He's always had really solid fundamentals. And, um, I, I thought about this a couple weeks ago. Um, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, I, was, I went out and did my work and, uh, you know, getting ready for the tournament. And I would walk back by the, the driving range, go to the caddy tent. And it was kind of sunset. And I see Tom Watson out there. Now this guy's won 40 tournaments and he's won millions of dollars and he's 60 years old and he's out there and I see him and he's kind of doing this with his grip and he's, and I'm like, what the hell is this guy going to figure out at 60 <laughs> years old, you know, but he's trying. Well, Steve found something, you know, so maybe, I mean, these guys are always searching and they're always trying to get better. I don't know what he found, but it's, it's certainly working. He's, he's really impressive. <laughs> Anybody in this room that can play uh, on the championship? Not at that table. No, not at that table. <laughs> Table's out. Grab yourself some balls. You're going to yeah, need yeah, them. Yeah, I know yeah. I played golf with you. <laughs> yeah. He, 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 he,
Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know what. I, so he's about two and a half years into his champion's career now, and I think he's played in fifty-five. I might be off by a couple here, but I think he's played in fifty-five tournaments, and he's had thirty-nine top fives. Mm -hmm. Just a remarkable run. Just yeah, really is. It, um, you know, Stricker's year. Surprise. I mean, there's probably hasn't been anything like Steve's run in the last twenty years uh, until last year. Stricker really had an incredible thing that might match it or even surpass it, actually, but. Uh, just a really special story, I think. Yeah, really special. Tony, you had a question up front here. Yeah, I, I was just saying about after you get the numbers right, right. So that's out of the picture. As far as like mental coaching on the on the course, um, yeah. Can you think of a time like where your play was? I mean, that we want you were part of that win process, and what was that? Oh, that? I wouldn't take credit for that. Carrying a bag around isn't anything like hitting the shots and making the putts that these guys do, but. Um, if I've helped maybe, you know, here or there, I, I can think of a few times where um, early on in my career, you know, I was with Jerry Pate and he hadn't won in 23 years. And I got to the ball, I got the yardage, I got into the conditions and I knew it was a five iron. I just knew it was on 18 and he walked up, I gave him the numbers and he said, that's a perfect six. And I just said, nope, I don't know why it came out of my mouth right away, but I said, <laughs> I said it. And he's like, well, what do you like? And I said, it's a five iron. He said, that's a lot of club, Troy. And I said, it's the right club. Nobody ever gets it back to this pin. No, I've watched this tournament on TV for 10 years. I know nobody ever gets it back there. And so he grabbed the five iron and I knew I was fired. I knew he was going <laughs> to smoke it over the green. I mean, the boom mic is right in my ear. Everybody at home knows that I'm the idiot that talked him into a five iron. And uh, and he hit it like 10 feet and made birdie and beat Hill or went to, to win. So things like that were cool. I'm not going to take credit for that win, clearly, but maybe helping him a shot here or there. And with Alker on Sunday in Phoenix, you know, on 18, a lot going through his mind. He'd, he'd had to get up and down for par on three or four holes in a row. We got a one-shot lead. And, you know, he obviously going for that green at the time, if we were tied, it was a, it was a relatively easy shot for him as a five iron into a par five. And he would have probably made a four or three most of the time, but there was no reason to hit that shot there. And so that's where a caddy might have a little more level thinking rather than, you know, their mind racing situation wise. And so we just knowing it doesn't matter in 10 years, whether you made a four or a five here, a five is all you need to do. And, and, and some, some things like that's where a caddy can probably help out more. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with, I mean, a lot of times they have the answers, just a matter of helping them to get to them and, and, yeah. and giving them that confidence. And, and there is times though, when that, that work and those instincts pay off and, I mean, that's the thing for a caddy. Like, that's what you're paid to do is when he asks you what you think and you say what you yeah. think, like, that's why you're there. They would much rather you say what you think. And then at that point, a good player is going to process that and and he'll make his decision based on all the input. Mm -hmm. And if it goes haywire, he'll take, you know, you know, he'll take responsibility for that. But that's, yeah. that's what they really want out there is they want you, uh, you know, and then you, and you gain trust and you get off to the races. I mean, I'm sure you and Steve right now are really on the same page uh, a lot. So. And I always wanted that in a caddy as well, which I never had because my brother Todd down here caddied for me a bunch. And I'll tell you a quick story about Todd. <laughs> when these rescue clubs first came out, Taylor made, made the, made this rescue. So I was on staff with them. So they make this club, you know, it takes them like 10 minutes. They build it in the tour van and then 
I maybe went in the clubhouse, I grabbed a drink or a sandwich and I come back out and Todd's on the range hitting my hybrid <laughs> that they just made for me. And I was like, what in the hell are you doing? And he's like, this club's great. You know, we should have another one made, you know, for you. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever, you know. So I finally got him to put the club away. And then he was like, you know, before we go home, we got to fill this bag up with these range balls. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, yeah, he goes, I'm going to play with these things for years. So <laughs> we went over to the chipping green. He took a big bucket of balls and filled up the bottom of the bag, carried it out of there with two. He's probably still using those golf balls. But yeah, Romeo from Tin Cup. Over That's there, right. right. Yeah. But back to the caddy. And yeah, uh, I, I admire caddies that will will say what they think and it, whether they're right or wrong, that's on the player. You know, they make the final decision all the time, but there's plenty of yes men out there. Guys that will just say, Oh yeah, 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 yes. Yes. When, when they know it's probably not the right decision, but I, I admire a guy, even if they get it wrong, I admire guys willing to, to put his neck out there and yeah. Go that, ahead, RV. It's into my favorite story. That Grab something up here also, by the way. Yeah. So we get rid of this. Please do. Yeah. It's into my favorite story. That that's a continuation. One time the caddy said something, the player didn't, choose it i thought oh yeah riviera riviera that's a great story uh oh boy i got i'm gonna come up with his name jim jimmy earl ray do you know jimmy earl no from kentucky player or caddy caddy worked okay. a lot for jeff sluman and was working for ted schultz la open okay. they're playing with um i think he got paired with like couples and love on the weekend or something he'd never won and I can't think of the hole, but it's on the back nine, par four. Hits a three-wood out there. Player does, Ted Schultz. Never won on tour. And he's playing with these superstars, a little nervous. And he's got uh, 155 to the hole. And he asks um, Jimmy Earl, what club you like? And Jimmy Earl says, I like eight iron. Can't be anything else. And Ted goes, I think it's a little seven. Oh, well, you know, Jimmy Earl's not playing, so it's going to be a seven iron, right? So Ted Schultz pulls seven iron out. Hits it right over the flag, lands on the back of the green, goes over the hill underneath a hot dog stand. <laughs> so they have to clear everybody out of there, you know, and then move the stand and get into this drop, and he chunks it up there, and he makes a five, whatever. Still plays good. He's in the last group the next day on Sunday. Same hole, three wood off the tee. He's got 156 to the hole. Jimmy Earl, what do you like? He says, it's an eight iron. It can't be anything else. And Ted says, I think it's a little seven. <laughs> and Jimmy Earl says, what do you want on your hot dog? <laughs> That's great. So he convinced him to hit eight, hit the middle of the green, parred in, and he won. <laughs> and that was his only win ever on tour. Great, great yep. story. Yeah. Great story. Thanks for yep. reminding me of that one, RV. That was a good one. Yeah, make sure you get some swag. We got one back here. Hey, Bob. Oh, was <laughs> We're, uh, he comes out about an hour before I get there about two hours before, unless it's the U S open and I'm working for Matt Wybring <laughs> and, uh, and then we usually will chip and putt and hit a couple balls after it's, it's, uh, before the round, it's just to get loose. He's never working on anything in particular after the round, we'll kind of focus maybe on some things we didn't do as well as we'd like. And that's where, you know, maybe hit some drivers that we, we maybe missed in the round, or if he wasn't chipping great, go to the chipping green, but. Before it's about an hour before just to warm up, get loose, and then um, afterward, half an hour to an hour, usually just kind of working on some things we need to improve. He's probably one. Is he one of the only guys that goes after the round out there? There's a lot of people. There's that, quite a few now. Now there are. Yeah, yeah. They didn't used to until about the last ten years. You know, um, 
like the, the Jack Nicholas Torino that era. No, no, no they were yeah, to they the were, bar. Absolutely. Right. Um, but now these guys are professional athletes, so they, they work on their game afterward too. <laughs> Anybody else? Any, any other questions? Yeah. Uh, Stacy. Just ping pong. After the after the win there in Phoenix, we played ping pong and he beat me. Guy's how, competitive. How many would he have to how many would you ask for on the first tee? Say Ooh. you're going to a place like let's say we're going out to the players club. You know the golf course, he's in town and and you're gonna play. What? So he's probably gonna shoot sixty three or four every time out there. Sure. So yeah, I'd probably have to get three aside at least to make it fair, I think. Yeah. He's only seen me swing one time and in uh, Richmond, Virginia, at the tournament, they have a caddy closest to the pin. Sure. And I've never done it. They give away this big bottle of whiskey, you know, and my caddy friends like that a lot more than I do anyway. So I let them get it, and but I've never done it. And so they were encouraging the player to videotape it, you know. And so there was some awful, I mean, a couple of them went right past the player, you okay. know, just zingers going right over their shoulder sort of thing. And so we get through in the practice round and Justin Leonard's on the tee and Harrison Frazier and, and Alker. And he goes, all right, Troy, he goes, you got to hit one here. And I'm like, no, not going to hit one here. And he goes, get, let me get my phone. And I'm like, I'm not hitting one. And he goes, you have to. So I said, okay. So I stood up there and I didn't even, I don't even think I used a tee. I didn't use a glove. I just grabbed his six iron. It was like 181 or something. And I hit the prettiest three yard draw, which I hit about a 10 yard fade. Sure. And it, I don't know how it happened, but it rolled up there six feet from the hole. And I won the thing and he's video on the thing and he's losing his mind that I got it airborne for starters. Right. You know, he didn't even know what was going on. And he's falling. He's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, he keeps following this thing, but that's the only shot he's ever seen me. I hit. wouldn't hit another one. either. We might but... go next week though. Uh, you know, Peter and I will invite him out and he might come and hang out with us at old Collier in the afternoon. Maybe we'll get a chance to play a few holes together off site next week. That'd be awesome. Yeah. What what's coming up just so we know your schedule. You said you're going next week, Naples, like give us just yeah. the, the next month for you out on the champions tour. So we can follow along. So we're, we're going to play Naples next week. We're not going to play Morocco, which um, he's uh, I'm, I'm disappointed in a little because we won there. I won there with Stephen oh, yeah. last year. Okay. So that was, that was fun, but what a uh, place to go. Wow. Yeah. It was a really cool place to win a tournament. And then, um, and then we go to the West Coast, which I think it starts kind of at the second week of March. We go to Tucson and then Newport Beach, Palm Springs, kind of that run there okay. through uh, through the desert and through the West Coast. So, um, right now he's you know he since he won the first event, it's uh, he's leading uh, the Schwab Cup points list and all that. I'm I'm kind of excited about that because for 21 years. It's always been a goal of mine to get to wear that blue bib, which okay. is the guy that's a point winner. Gotcha. And I've never had that chance. So ne next week will be the first time ever I get to put that on. So I'm Love it. excited about that. That's awesome. Well, we know you'll wear it well. Hey, really appreciate you doing this tonight. It was really a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and thanks, everybody, for coming out. Uh, Thank you, guys. Tip your servers well. Really enjoyed it. A Heard at Sports Network production. <laughs>